I want to take a few moments and talk with you about a gentleman by the name of Jacob. Some of you have heard stories about Jacob. Some of you have read stories throughout the Bible about Jacob. And there are many stories that can be told of this man. But Jacob was a man who surely uh, was broken, yet he was blessed. He was blessed by God, even though some of us who read the story of Jacob and the stories that he uh, he was involved in. And we say, you know what? If there was a person that probably didn't always deserve to be blessed, it's probably that guy. Sometimes there were some things that, you know, he did that were not godly. But if we're all honest with ourselves, as we all should be, there's probably some things in our life that we aren't very proud of either, right? Is that right? And so it's hard to throw shade at someone that uh, has been through some things. Because we ourselves have all had those moments. And so today I want to bring a message entitled Broken and Blessed. Broken and Blessed. And to be blessed, uh, just so we understand what that definition looks like, I wanted to provide a definition for us found in Genesis 32 and what we're going to be talking about this morning. Here's the definition. Here's what it looks like. To be blessed means to have God's fortune or good fortune and his presence. Jacob uh, was a person that was blessed with God's good fortune and with God's presence. We don't always see God's presence and God's good fortune in people's lives, but God had his hand on certain people for whatever reason. Some of you would honestly even say in your life, you're not even sure why God blessed you the way he did. Would you agree with that? There are times that you receive God's favor when you didn't deserve it. Were there times in your life where you too felt broken, but yet somehow God blessed you? We look at Jacob's life and we see what he experienced. And Jacob was the younger brother of a guy named Esau. When Jacob was younger, he deceived his dying father into giving him the blessing that was supposed to go to his brother Esau. Esau found out and he wanted wanted to remove Jacob from earth. And so... Jacob ran for his life. And he did so. And when he did so, he fell in love and found a woman by the name of Rachel. And he wanted to marry her. So after working seven years for her, he then was tricked and marrying Leah. And then he had to work seven more years to get the actual wife he wanted. So here he is. Eventually, Jacob will get Rachel as well. And so Jacob conned his family and spent the last 20 years away from home. When, he, when you read the story, it seems a little bit like a spoiled guy, doesn't he? Seems like a person that kind of just was trying to get by instead of make things happen. You ever met somebody that just tries to get by with just enough? And you think, why would you live that way? But for some reason, God kept blessing him. The big idea that hopefully we can walk away from this morning with in our mind is this. God doesn't bless us because we deserve it. He blesses us in spite of our mistakes and our failures. Is that true? We pick up in Genesis 32 here where Jacob was telling his father-in-law Laban that he wanted to leave. So Jacob goes and tells his wife and kids that they were packing up and they're headed back to Jacob's homeland. Remember, he'd been away for 20 years. So we're going to Genesis 32 today. Can we go there? Because after Jacob 
gets his family, he loads them up, he takes off, he sneaks away without Laban finding out. They're gone. And when they start getting a little closer to Jacob's home, he starts getting scared about his brother Esau. So what does he do? He sends out a messenger. He says, listen, I'm on my way and I, this is my intent. And his messenger gets back to him. He's a little bit scared of what might happen when he gets home. So he sends a messenger. The messenger comes back and he says, Esau heard about you returning home and he loaded up with 400 men. Doesn't sound like a great reunion party, right? So as you can guess, Jacob is terrified that Esau is bringing 400 men to meet him. He wants to take him out. So he decides two things. Number one, first he sends gifts ahead to Esau. Sends hundreds of animals and food and spices ahead to kind of soften the situation. I'm just setting the table. Are you right? Setting the table. Here's what he does. He sends all these gifts ahead. Then he divides his family up. He says, listen, if this doesn't work, at least I divide my family. He won't take us all out. Let me divide the family. And he separates his possessions and his family in two groups. And he thinks that if Esau shows up and attacks him, at least only one group will be attacked and one group can get away. So here's where we are. Genesis 32. We're going to read beginning in verse 22. Are you with me? Genesis 32 beginning in verse 22. That's kind of the preface of everything that happened leading up to this point. It's, I know it's a lot, but here we go. There's this moment that takes place in scripture that some of you know about. Some of you have heard about. Some of you maybe have never heard of. But watch what happens here. Jacob, at that time... That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. And after he sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And, 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 and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of, of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. And Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with man and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blesses him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying it was the place, it was because God's he saw God face to face, and yet his life was spared. The sun rose above him, and he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. And we look at the story, and it's an amazing story. I've preached on this. You've probably heard a hundred sermons on this. I've probably heard dozens of messages myself. But what's interesting about this whole story is this. Here's a man who wasn't always right with God, but God still blessed him. He wasn't always right with God, but God still met him. He wasn't always right with God, but God still made a provision for him. Does that sound familiar? I think that's the story of all of our lives. That though we didn't always put God first, he still blessed us. Here's a story of a man who wrestled with a figure that is God. At the very least, it was an angel. That represented God. And it's a truly amazing story. But there's so much that we can take away from this story. But I want to just share two of those things with you this morning. And I want to share these thoughts with you very specifically. And very interestingly as I, 
as I looked at this text, I realized a couple things that I never really noticed before. And I continuously am amazed as, as we read scripture. How many times when we read scripture, and, I, and by show of hands, how many of you have ever read a scripture a bunch of times, right? And then you read it one other time and something stands out that you're like, I've never seen that before. Ever, that ever happened to you? That ever blow your mind? Because it does me. After years of study, years of sermons, I preached this, I preached Genesis 32. I can't tell you how many times I've preached in different, you know, different aspects of it, but still yet another thing stood out. Here's the first thing that stood out to me. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, write this down. All of Jacob's encounters with God happened while he was alone. All of these things happened while he was alone. You look at multiple story after story. And now I'm not saying that every single time, but all of the ones that at least we recorded that were significant happened when he was alone. If you read Jacob's story, you can remember how many times it seemed like God was was one-on-one with him. We look at, there was that first dream he had when he was on the run. Solo. Solo. Then there was the conversation after Laban wanted to steal from him. Solo. With God. Had that moment with God. Then he wrestles with some kind of heavenly being that represents God. And then there he was again. What? Solo. And I want to tell you something. I, I, this leads me to believe something. That something happens when we pray to God by ourselves in our prayer closet. Something happens that, that, that God, we get God's attention. We think somehow that, man, I really, I can't wait to get to church because that's where God speaks to me. I hope that you feel God's presence when you walk into these doors. I hope that you feel God's peace when you walk into these doors. I hope that you feel God's welcoming spirit when you, when you walk into this place. I hope those things. But you know what I hope even more? That you have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ during the week on your own. Yes. That you're going before God and he's saying, God, I love freedom. I love what we're doing. I love what God is doing. But man, if I don't got you, I got nothing. If I don't have your presence, I don't have anything worth having. That you're taking time with God on your own. That you're not going every Sunday morning. This is not you. Kids, we're going to church. (laughs) We're going to Bible study. We're going to life group. What are we studying? I don't know, but we're going somewhere. And somehow that substitutes the presence of God in your life. Can I tell you something? This is where we gather. This is where we celebrate. This is where we heal. This is where we get broken. This is where God mends. This is where God does all those things. But guess what? The bulk of the work is day to day. Percentage wise, this is a low percentage of your week. If your time with God is lowered down about two hours on a Sunday morning. Pastor Tony, I wish it was more like one. I got a buffet to go to, Pastor Tony. If if your Christianity is deduced to two hours on a Sunday morning, God help us all. We wonder why we don't see God's presence sometimes in our lives. Is that right? 
Man, let me tell you something. I want you to notice something. Not only all of Jacob's encounter happened when he's alone. I want you to find the sacred in the secluded. Find the sacred in the secluded. Those moments where God speaks to you. Yes, speaks to you. That doesn't mean it has to be an audible voice. God speaks to me many a times. Look at me. God speaks to me in impressions. He impresses on me things. Sometimes I see a mental picture. He speaks to everyone differently. Some of you, I'm envious. that God, God has spoken to you in audible voices. Because it doesn't happen to everybody, that's for sure. It doesn't happen to everybody. But here's what, it, here's what happens. It happens through impressions where God says to others, this. And then God says to you, this. But guess what? What he said to others and what he said to you, somehow they come together. And that's what happens in rooms like this. That's what happens in environments like this. Well, so Pastor Tony, see, this is what your preacher right now is telling me. I don't really need to go to church. That's not at all what I'm saying at all. I am saying the opposite. I'm saying you find your healing here. But I'm also saying you find your healing in Christ. He is the root of here. He is the root of your walk. He is the root of everything that we do. You follow? So all of Jacob's encounters were those, those moments where he found the sacred in the secluded. In those secluded moments, he found it there. I love worshiping together. I love my freedom family. I love how we get to come together and we have that relationship together and we get to connect. And some of you, I, I don't really get to see during the week and I look forward to seeing you on a Sunday. Pastor Tony sent me a message. He said he missed me this week. He must think I'm backslidden or something. No, because you matter. Hello? Some of you know what I'm talking about because I've messaged you. Hey, I missed you this week. Like, I was here seven straight weeks. I missed one week and he is like all over me. No, we just care. Because when you're gone one Sunday, that's two weeks we don't see you, right? The week leading up and the week following. So it matters. I remember last year, last summer, we took two Sundays, two straight Sundays off. We never done that in all of our years of ministry. Last year, last summer for our vacation, we took two Sundays off, two straight Sundays. People were about to, people were about to go ballistic like, Pastor Tony's gone. He's left the church. They came back to like, is everything okay? Pastor Tony, we haven't seen you. In, it's been forever. Been two Sundays. Right? It's been two Sundays. Take a deep breath. Never done it before, but we were staffed in a way that we couldn't at the time. Right? Never done it. We got a chance to go on a vacation that we were looking forward to going on. And they were like, man, don't ever do that again. You scared us. Right? I'm like, listen, this church is not founded on me. This church is founded in Jesus Christ. But I want you to know something. When we follow up, can I tell you something? It's because you matter. You matter. It's not because we're like worried that you'll never show up again. 
Sometimes I just want you to know that you matter. And I hope you get that. And so as a church, that's, it's very important that we try to stay connected. And, but, but at the same time, God speaks to me in a way by myself. I remember some of the deepest moments I had in my life were moments I was alone. Alone. There's sometimes where God had touched me and changed me when I was by myself. Not just when I was here. God speaks to us when we get away. Sometimes he speaks to us in a hospital waiting room. Is that right? God speaks to us in a hospital waiting room. Other times, a retreat or a convention. Right, young people? You go away to an event. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Men, you know what I'm talking about. It's something that happens when you go away to these events. If, I, if you're a lady or, or, or a man and, and we have events to come up, come, come to those things because God speaks to us in those times. But there's also those times that God speaks to us. And some of us, he spoke to us in a jail cell. Others of us, he spoke to us in a car ride. Others of us, he spoke to us in those powerful moments when nobody expected. The kids were out doing something and this person, and all of a sudden God put something on your heart. You found the sacred and the secluded. Can I tell you something? God wants to take the broken and bless them. God wants to take the broken and bless them. So the next time you find yourself in a place alone and secluded, just stop and ask God, what are you wanting to tell me right now? Some of you, some of you, especially parents, moms, you, you lock doors just to be able to get away for five minutes. From the little ones. Right? I need a minute. I just need a minute. Some of you. I'll go to the store. I'll make a quick run. I'll go. And it's more like. Pharaoh. Like. Let my people go. Right? You know what I'm talking about? Honey, I'm going to go get milk. We don't need milk. Oh, we need milk. I think I need to get out more than we need milk. But we need milk. Three hours later, I show up with milk. Wrong milk, but it was milk. The reality is that we know you need to get away. Can I tell you something? Find the sacred in the secluded. God will speak to you there. So my other other thought is this. God's blessings will force you to face your fears. Now, some of you didn't want to hear this. But some of you have fears, right? Of doing some things, you're like, God, I will do anything you want, except fill in the blank, right? Some of you are stretched by being here at Freedom. Some of you are asked to do something, right? Come on, somebody. You're asked to do something, you're like, I'm not sure I'm really good at that. But I'll try. I've had to do that. People sometimes don't want to tell me no, because I'm the pastor of the church, right? They're like, I don't want to say no to pastor. Because he's like, the pastor, Right? And I don't want to say, I never did that before. I don't know what I'm doing there. And I don't know. Can I tell you something? We're all being stretched. Half the things we were doing to start this church, we didn't know what we were doing. But we said, God, you got our hands. Use us. Right? Here's what I'm saying. Face your fear and you'll find out more potential about you. You'll find out more things about you in facing your fears than just betting on your strengths. Did you hear that? Some of you will find more blessings in facing your fears than you would be in just capitalizing in the things that you're good at. Because you can always do the things you're good at. 
And here's how I look at it. We praise God with our gifts, but we worship God and we honor God with the things that we're not good at. Are you seeing how I'm seeing it for a moment? We praise God with our strengths, but we honor God with our weaknesses. Because you know what honors God? When you say, I can't, I'm not good at that, but I'll do it because I want to be obedient. And when you do it, all of a sudden, God takes that obedience and he moves in it and he touches people. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place you're like, wow, I never thought I could do that. So you can praise God with your strengths, but you honor God with your weaknesses. Because when you act in obedience in an area of your life that you're weak in, all of a sudden, obedience is at the forefront of what you're doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Are you hearing me? Because I want you to know, God normally uses ways that we don't want him to in order to grow us. You ever been there? God tells Jacob to go back home. Hello? I don't want to go back home. I got some things there. Some things I don't want to face. I want to ignore. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. Jacob has to confront the very uh, situation, including his brother, who wants to kill him. Take him out. In order for God to grow you and bless you, he will force you to face your fears sometimes by in your obedience. You know, and I'll say force lightly, but, but I want to make this very clear. I'm not blessed because everything went right. I'm blessed because I got to fight. In your life, you're blessed, not because you got everything right, but you're blessed because you got fight. All the fears and all the things that you have got going on in your life right now, God's, you know, you, you kind of like, well, God, I don't know if this is something and I don't know if that's something I can do. And I don't, you can make a lot of excuses and we've all been there. We've all made excuses, right? I remember telling God, God, I can't do this and I can't do that. And God says, I know that's why I picked you. And when you're obedient, he then stretches you. There are times that I'm preparing for a message. Can I be transparent for a moment? There are times I'm preparing for messages and I hear this whisper within me. What if the church doesn't grow, Tony? I remember the night before we launched Freedom Life Church. We had the trailer packed, ready to go. We had everything ready. It was, it was September 17th. And uh, we were all launching on the 18th. We had a big old festival in Lewisburg that night. And we got it done. And I remember laying in bed that night like, wow, this is cool. We had people show up to our event. But tomorrow's our very first service. And I remember laying there, looking up at my ceiling, wondering what if nobody shows up? What if nobody comes? What if I'm preaching to my family in the front row and everything else is empty? I know we got the nursery covered, so they'll be in the nursery there. We got that covered. What if nobody shows up? There's times I'm preparing for messages. What if, what if this bombs? What if this message makes no sense to anybody? 
Listen, I've been preaching since I was 16 years old. I've been preaching a long time. But even preaching since I was 16 years old, I'm still, I haven't figured it all out yet. Right? I still have these thoughts of what if it's not good enough? What if, what if somehow I blow this thing? What if I say the wrong thing? What if, what if it doesn't come out right? What if the church runs out of money? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You ever fought the battle of what if? Right? The battle of what if is a nasty battle. You can never win that battle. Because you can always come up with the next what if. But what if this? But what if people show up and then we don't have enough seats? What if? What if? What if the boiler breaks? What if there's no heat? What if the lights go out? What if? What if? What if? What if it doesn't happen? What if I'm obedient and God remains faithful? What if? What if nothing that you've been talking about at all happens? What if everything that you're feeling right now is fake? Every fear. Every doubt. Every bit of trembling that you have right now. Everything that God has been telling you. What if that's right? And everything you've been feeling is wrong. What if? That's the what if I choose to turn on. Because when I start feeling those what ifs come at me negatively, I turn around and say, what if that doesn't happen? I have people come to me, Pastor Tony, would you pray for me? Because this, I'm going to the doctor and they, they might say this and they might say this, they might say that. You know what I like to say? But what if they don't? What if they don't say that? What if you're healed when you show up? What if? Turn the tables right on the enemy. Turn that fear around. Listen, it hasn't happened. Turn that fear around. Come on, somebody. What if you believe on a team that was the underdog? What if? Now I get your applause. I said a lot of good things today. And that's the one you clap for. I should have led with that. What if he kills us? What if he crushes us? What if those 400 men take me and my family? But what if he doesn't? What if God changes your name before you even get there? Oh my goodness. What if God changes your name from deceiver to overcomer? What if God changes your name today and says to you, you're broken, but you're blessed? What if, what if Jacob was in God's hand? What if you're in God's hand? See, God did the same thing with Moses when he told him to go back to Egypt. He told him, go back, right? I mean, am I reading that right? Did Moses go back to Egypt? I mean, he, would, he, had, he had some things he had to do for God, right? He went back there, let my people go, Right? And all of a sudden, you have to face it. Gideon was scared. He had 30,000 men. And God said, too many. You need 300. God didn't say that, but that's what ended up happening. 
the original 300, they fought, they won. Why? Because God and God plus one is always the majority. God plus one is always the majority. See, what are you afraid of today? What's your biggest fear? If you face it, I believe God will reveal something to you today. So it seems like Jacob's encounters with God happened while he was alone. God's blessings force us. So what? If you let him and you're willing to fight for it, he could change your legacy. Are you with me? If you let him and you're willing to fight for it, God will bless you and change your legacy. But he changes your name. Because your name often shaped you in the direction that your life was headed. Now people put a bunch of sounds together and name the children by different things. Oh, that sounds nice. But you don't realize that in the Old Testament, even biblical days. They, they, they named their kids' names that meant something. They meant something. They meant that it kind of pointed them in the direction that the parents wanted the children to go. And so... God did a name change. He did a name change that day. And I believe for many of you today, God's going to change your name. You have fears, hand it over. God's going to change your name. See, we've seen throughout Jacob's life, he was obsessed with God's blessing. He wanted God's blessings. And some of you want God's blessings here today. Some of you in this room, you want God's blessings today. But you're caught up in the fear. You're caught up in the, in the things that, you, that hasn't even happened yet. And they're, they're the obstacle. They're the obstacle. And Jacob wrestles with this angel. And he doesn't quit until the angel actually has to touch his hip. Dislocate his hip. And now he's got a limp. Now he's got swagger. Right? He thought it was gangster. And that somehow the streets created this. No! Genesis 32 created it. He started walking with a different swagger. And I'm, I'm humorous in this idea, but, but, but understand something that I don't believe for a moment that when people ask what happened to your leg, he get upset. Because life is defined by those moments you encountered God. I believe in some strange way, Jacob smirked every time they asked him what was wrong. Or why he walked like that. What's wrong with your leg? <laughs> if you only knew my story. People don't know your story. They don't know your limp. They don't know why you limp. They don't know why you walk the way you walk. Why you talk the way you talk. I got a lot of reasons why I shouldn't be standing here today. I got a lot of reasons. But I got one reason, mainly, why I'm here today. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So I got a bit of a limp myself. You know what I learned? Don't take advice from anyone that hasn't been there. Be careful. Of the advice you take from people that don't have a Christian limp. Now what am I talking about? Someone that's been through some stuff. I have people that I've surrounded myself with. They got limp. They've been through stuff. And when I ask them, how do you handle this? 
how do you handle that? Been there. Have you been around someone like that? If you haven't, you should get you one. Get one. Get yourself someone that got limp. And I'm not saying go out and find a thug and make them your best friend. I'm saying find somebody that's got their gospel limp on. They've gone through some things. They realize, I've been through that. Let me tell you how I survived that. I have trouble. I have trouble trusting in people that haven't been through anything yet. I have trouble taking advice from people that have never done it. I'm not going to ask someone who's never climbed how I should climb a mountain. I'm not going to ask anyone who's never run a marathon how I should prepare for a marathon. Why would I ask someone who doesn't have faith how to live this Christian life out? And some of you are asking the wrong people the wrong questions. Or in some cases, the wrong people the right questions. And I'm telling you today, Jacob wasn't blessed because he had it figured out. He was blessed because he had fighted him still. And while he wasn't perfect, he had fight. Passion. God doesn't want you to be tied down to your past or your mistakes. And if you're willing to fight and pray and love through situations that seem hopeless, God will change the direction of your life. So if I can have your attention for another moment or two, I'm going to have you just lend me your ears for a moment. Can you do that? The Bible tells us that the angel touched Jacob's hip, right? And Jacob left that encounter with a limp. The Bible tells us that, uh, and we think of often the negative aspect of that, like he was, he was rebuking him, but, but I also look at it like this. He wanted to leave him marked. Because when you encounter God, you will be marked. For the rest of your life. And now he has a story. A story to tell. I want, I want everyone to do this with me for a moment. I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Can I have everyone in this room just close your eyes for a moment. I want to illustrate something for you. For just a moment. Just close your eyes and use your imagination. For just, just a couple of moments. Imagine with me. An older gentleman walking down the street with a cane. This is where it takes a little imagination. Just follow me for a moment. Imagine an older gentleman walking down the street with a cane. And he has a pretty noticeable limp. And he comes over your direction and starts making conversation. So you ask him how he got that limp. And you don't want to embarrass him or be rude. But it's noticeable and you're curious. And so he doesn't think it's rude at all. And as a matter of fact, you ask him and he turns his head to the side and he puts his big grin and he says, well, it's kind of a long story. Keep your eyes closed for a moment. And he begins to tell you about his life and all the mistakes he made. He says, but one night, as hard as it is to believe, he wrestled with God. And the only reason that angel got away was because he hurt his hip. And this is the night God blessed him. 
It was at that moment that he looks at you and says, only after I wrestled, I can see the blessings where everyone else sees the negative. Look up at me for a moment. I bet in those moments, as you imagine that, that smirk, that grin meant something. Man, this guy, he's got a story. And God, God wants to create a story with you. You're creating a story anyway, aren't you? Would you agree that your whole life is a story? And every day you're creating another page that adds to another chapter. And some of you are like, I'm several chapters in. That's okay. But this story really opened up my eyes as I was preparing this week. Others look at your situation and they want to look only at the problem. They want to look only at the limp. But the man doesn't look at the limp. He remembers the moment in time. He remembers the story behind it. Maybe you're the parent of a special needs kid. You're scared to death. Maybe you're so scared that it just puts you in panic mode all the time. God showed up every time. And you look at that kid and you smile because he's God's blessing to you. Maybe it was bankruptcy, something you went through financially to remind you, man, God is good to me. The financial guru, David Ramsey, talks oftentimes about the, how bankruptcy was the best thing that's ever happened to him. Because it was, he was so arrogant and so full of himself that bankruptcy finally sent him to his knees. And that's where he found God. Maybe it's some troubling times through a relationship that has brought you to a place of trusting God, a place of brokenness. I want you to know something today. It matters not the degree of brokenness that you find yourself, but the degree of trust that you give him in spite of your brokenness. You follow me? Now listen. Nobody looking around, whatever. I want you to know something. Look at me. You are everything God has made you to be right now. Have you become everything? No, because we're all in progress, right? We're all a work in progress. But hear me. Today is your day to say, God, I want my pineal. I want my moment in time. I want that place where I encounter God and I'm never the same again change my name change it you don't have to change my location see that's what people think they go from revival to revival from conference to conference thinking if I can change my location somehow God will be closer to me but you're not understanding that God is everywhere at the same time you don't have to change your location but you do have to change your mentality where it is that you find your blessing and you know where he found his blessing right where his feet were so maybe you don't believe God today. But maybe you do. But what if? What if that doesn't happen? What if God touches you today and you're never the same again? 
Father, I thank you for the truth of your word that brings us to a place of understanding. I'm asking you today that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Father, I pray for every person in this room and every person listening live. I pray for every person listening online. I pray for every person listening to this word right now. God, would you just speak to them, their pineal, right where they are. May they wrestle. May they fight. Because this life is worth fighting for. Because this life was worth dying for. As exemplified by Jesus Christ at the cross. Thank you for the grace that you've given us to fight. God, I pray the brokenness will cause us to realize that we're not broken or blessed, but we're broken and blessed. 